I'm opening it up in the least efficient manner possible. <laughs> you can just click. Oh yeah, I can see that. Oh my god, look, that's a great photo. Oh, sorry, uh, stud. Uh, is, this, is this on the uh, jacket of your book? Or? It kind of looks more. I like know the, it looks like an album cover. I was gonna say it looks more like a Christian rock cover, <laughs> like a Christian rock album cover. <laughs> Welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's more than a feeling. Each week we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Hello. And his strong, handsome brother, Justin Armstrong. It's nice to be here. Although I guess you're not here every week. Not every week. In fact, almost never. (laughs) I'm Cameron Wong and this is episode 52 and today we'll be looking at season 4, episode 13, The Pick. And uh, as you can tell, we have the gracious and always popular Justin Armstrong with us here as a guest host again this week. Justin, how are you? I'm good. You know, first I should uh, I should say Megan Wong last week did a fantastic job as first time guest host, and uh, she did uh, she did good. Now, if you had to give her some notes, because you're you're a veteran guest host of the show, you're you're a friend of the show, longtime friend of the show. Uh, give notes. Uh, you know. I, I, I thought she she was good. She was herself. It sounded uh, it was fun. Yeah, I thought she did a good job too. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I'm doing good. I've been doing a lot of yoga recently, getting a lot of karma built up. Is that is that how that works? <laughs> I thought so. Every time you I go, thought to... al- I thought it aligns your chakras. Oh, I was I was hoping for the karma, but I, I don't thought, think so. Uh, I thought you were actually working up towards being like Dalsim. Dulcine. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were gonna have long, stretchy arms to be able to punch somebody from the other side of the Street Fighter screen. Is that yoga? Yoga punch. <laughs> well, there is like warrior pose. That's 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 a little violent. Yeah, there's a warrior one and a warrior two. That's right. I don't know the. Difference. I never saw a warrior two. Was that any good? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, Chris Christopher Young if you can believe it, went back to Texas where, uh, judging by pictures off Facebook, he has some exciting news to share with everyone. He had a waffle in the shape of Texas. Whoa. Also, his movie Focus won Best Comedy at the Victoria, Texas Film Festival. Victoria, Texas? That's right. (laughs) Wow. Now, Megan Wong, our astute guest host from well, let's face it, it wasn't last week, but the last episode... Uh, was like, oh, I didn't even know the Victoria Film Festival was on, thinking that she was talking about <laughs> Vancouver Island. But uh, turns out, more than one Victoria. To win any contest at the movie is great. Mm-hmm. It's like when I went to go see the Jetsons movie when I was a kid, and there was a Jetsons toy on my seat, and I won a Jetsons t-shirt. There was a Jetsons wow. toy on your seat? Yeah, they, they hid them around the theater, and if your seat had the Jetsons toy, wow. then they invited all the people with Jetsons toy up front, and I got a t-shirt. I mean, I wish I saw that in the theaters. Yeah, that's amazing. Strangely, I actually get that movie conflated with the Goofy movie a lot. You know, I, I never saw the Goofy movie, so it, I have no... It's it's another movie that I feel like no one has seen. <laughs> but it's a classic. If Megan was here right now, she would start singing some of the songs from the Goofy movie. On account of its quality. Patrick Armstrong, how are you this week? I am doing well. I, uh... Voted in my first Quebec election, so it was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as exciting as any voting. But uh, I like, there was a sign that said, uh, 
no taking selfies in the voting booth, which I thought was pretty great. Now, did was it actually written in English or was it written in French? It was bilingual. The the Directeur General des Elections is a bilingual agency. Now, did he um, use the term selfie or did he use the? Uh, is it like ego photo or something like that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's like ego portrait is like the literal translation of the French word for selfie, which I'm not sure anyone uses, but it's like the official like recommended term. So uh, yeah, it said no ego portraits in the in the voting booth. I was tempted though. The thing is though, um, it's like I guess legally unenforceable because they can't. They're not supposed to look at you in the voting booth. Um, so it's like the same reason that like spoiling your ballot, like it's unenforceable, even though it's technically illegal. You can't spoil your ballot. It's like you're not allowed to deliberately spoil it. Because I I've spoiled the ballot. <clears throat> what on purpose? Yeah, I, as protest. Sorry, Justin's an anarchist. I have to call the police right now. It was it was like a couple elections ago. Like none of the people I, I liked. I was I was I guess I was cynical. <laughs> Uh, complete cynicism. So how? Let me well, no. What's funny you... though? What's funny is I spoil. I did actually spoil my ballot. I think. Well, there were. It was the year there was a referendum on the uh, single oh, transferable vote. I voted against that, but ironically, and then, <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, something, and and then I spoiled my ballot for the actual voting. So that's wow. You are uh, <laughs> no, actually, you're all over the map there. I remember that election, though. Uh, there were no good options. Uh, both parties had terrible platforms. So. I just love the idea that it's like both no to STV, but also no to like the tradition. Like, forget this like renewed voting system, and also screw the traditional system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's quite a thing. <laughs> what do you believe? In so, how system? did you spoil it? Did you did that's you like put your X outside the outside the circle? Or did you write no on it, or what did you gonna, do? I'm not gonna lie, I don't actually remember. What a meaningful form of protest! Because <laughs> some people eat their ballots in wow. the the ballot box. Well, Justin forgot his uh, fork and knife. <laughs> Do you guys feel a little sad that in Canadian elections, the ballot box is just like a little cardboard, like, standy that they've stuck, stuck on a table in a church somewhere rather than, like, in the United States where you sometimes have those big booths with the curtain and the big, like, lever you get to pull? I mean, I like the idea of pulling the lever because it makes me feel like I'm in some sort of strange steampunk fantasy where I'm uh, voting. And I don't know, there's, like, bells and whistles <laughs> going off. But it does feel ridiculous, kind of like you're in Vegas at the same time, to have that huge lever. Like, I've seen videos of those machines with the big lever. It looks insane. It doesn't look like voting to me. Yeah. What if we voted just by retweeting the party we liked? <laughs> then we Retweet did... for the party, star to, like, <laughs> to, like, vote against them or something, right? Something like that. So at the end of the year, Ellen DeGeneres will be the president of the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> Or the Samsung president. Galaxy Note 3. President of the, the world. President. Oh, are we having global elections via Twitter? <laughs> yeah. That's good to know. Well, uh, thanks for asking Cameron, both of you. how are you yeah. doing? Yeah, I'm also doing well this week. Um, well, I have my very first beer league softball game this week. And I don't want to brag, but I get the feeling I'm going to hit 10 home runs. I will accept no less. Wow. How many games in your season? 
That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think I have like nine or ten games. Oh, so it's not like the major leagues where you have like a hundred games. <laughs> no, it's not quite the same as the major leagues. It's close, but different. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, no, I'm doing I'm doing well. I, spring break was on a little while ago, so I, I'm reinvigorated. And actually, speaking of of sports, you know, there's been all sorts of sports news, so I'm excited. You know, the the Blue Jays are playing again, so I'm watching baseball and you know, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, tailspin of death has been (laughs) a wonderful ballet to watch if you're into hockey at all so that's been going on that's exciting and also uh exciting is that we have some listener feedback for the show this week now Mm. patrick i think you might be aware of this already but uh we put it out to a friend of the show i think i think we can call anyone that bothers to send us a, a tweet for the show a friend of the show julius dean now, Patrick, you might remember we were talking about Julius uh, a little while ago, and we actually addressed him directly on the show about how to pronounce St. Louis, and he got back to us. So, Justin, are you familiar with this about the... Oh, right, uh, St. Louis versus St. Louis, and whether it's too familiar to call it St. Louis if you're not from there. So, according to Julius, it's only okay to call it St. Louis if you're in a dusty Broadway musical. Hmm. <laughs> so... Dusty. Which we are, so... I was, was going to say, our show is much like a dusty Broadway musical, so I think I guess we're okay to say St. Louis. And he says, what's with, what's with you guys and names of cities I live in? Now, I was confused by this part. Because what other I, cities does he live in? He live in... Uh... I, I wonder, is his former hometown Murfreesboro? Do you think that's possible? It's, it's Murfreesboro. I'm trying. I honestly am making a sincere effort. It's a confusing name. Maybe it's just me. Absolutely. Uh, so regardless, St. Louis is officially stricken from What's the Deal show. Uh, the lexicon of What's the Deal show. Uh, as well, what a, what a nice guy. Let's favorite this tweet. He says the Chinese restaurant episode of At WTD Show is a classic. Hmm. So Julius Dean is. Did you say a nice? Wait, wait. Did you say you're a nice guy for favoriting a tweet that compliments you? <laughs> no, I said he, I said he's a nice guy. I said what a nice guy. Oh, okay. the nice guy. Okay, I see. I just hit the favorite button. A bunch of errors popped up, but I'm going to assume it worked. You're Julius such a nice guy for work. enjoying your own praise. <laughs> you know who's a great guy? <laughs> Me. My mom says I'm a special guy. Uh, so there you go, St. Louis. Forget it. We can't say it anymore. Starting now. So in this week's episode of What's the Deal show, we'll be looking at the pick in which Elaine decides to allow Kramer to do a little portrait photography of her for a Christmas card. Jerry dates the beautiful model from the airplane from the previous airport uh, or the previous episode, the airport. And George, well, he tries to bear his emotions to work out his problems with Susan. Patrick, before you take us in, I would like to encourage everyone to go to whatsthedealshow.com. Why? Because we have show notes. We have little pictures. We have back episodes. We have it all. But forget that for now. Listen to the show. Patrick, take us in. Uh, Patrick? Is he there? I don't know. Sometimes Patrick eats an apple and then he he mutes the show for a little while. Oh, really? 
Sorry, I like was muted, and I didn't, don't really know why I didn't press the button deliberately. You can't hear it either. No, he can hear us, but oh. he just starts talking. And oh, I see. Yeah. Get that apple out of your so, mouth. <laughs> so this week, uh, we start with a monologue, like many weeks. You know who's in Jerry's Crosshairs this week? <laughs> the fashion industry. Watch out. They're skewered. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's saying, who's looking at all these clothes when there's beautiful women? What's with that goofy walk? Now, <laughs> as I'm describing the jokes in this monologue, I still have to say it was kind of pretty funny. I enjoyed Jerry doing the fashion walk. It was all right, but I mean, I don't know. I mean... First of all, I don't actually agree with his uh, his observation. I mean, maybe in a limited sense, because like if you're talking about like like Fashion Week in Paris, like haute couture stuff, like yeah, people are looking at the clothes. They're not really looking at the girls. Like, like it's just it's it, you know it's yeah. But like if you're talking about like Victoria's Secret, like Razzle Dazzle show, where it's like the clothes are just like completely irrelevant to the show at all, then yeah, I kind of agree with Jerry, but. You know. I actually find the models like I don't want to look at them because in most fashion shows they're wearing makeup that makes them look like aliens. Yeah, the, the like the high yeah. the high fashion stuff definitely. Well, and they tend they tend to already pick models that have like super high cheekbones and are quite gaunt and are like fairly like distinctive looking, but maybe not like like conventionally attractive. So like. Especially combined with that makeup, and usually, like, if it's a couture show, like, bizarre clothing, you know, you're just kind of overwhelmed by the whole image. So, long story short, we hate fashion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's, it's kind of like, it's an observation that a 12-year-old would probably be like, yeah, <laughs> models, I know about this. <laughs> yeah. Because... It was. I remember it being kind of shocking the first time I saw a real fashion show. I mean, I've I've never been to one, but right. you know, when I actually saw what one looked like, right? It's nothing like a movie. It's nothing like a TV show. It's very strange. It's not like beautiful women walking down wearing like super sexy and fashionable clothing. I mean, a lot of the time there's like these sort of like avant-garde designs of clothes they've got like a bird cage on their head or they're wearing like a dress that's in the shape of a rhombus or something it's it's not exactly what you're you're thinking it's going to be um <laughs> do, do you disagree i, think, I heard rhombuses were going to be in this year <laughs> i thought it was parallelograms they're the hot shape this year um yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Jerry, he doesn't know what he's, what he's talking about here. It's, it's not great. Take that, Jerry. We just skewered Jerry. Um, so, speaking of Jerry, at his apartment, George and Jerry are together there. George is heartbroken. He needs Susan back. Uh, or at least he's pretending to be heartbroken. It's kind of hard to tell how sincere George is here. Uh it's weird though because like you know he's describing all the ways his life is getting terrible for example he's just going to be at home watching basketball eating Chinese food all the time uh, he really wants to call her so George's heartbreak over a woman does that seem 
in character or, or out of character to you? I mean, the self-pity seems in character, but we, ha- we haven't really seen him pine in this way before. And I-, I wonder if you guys feel like that's like natural feeling for his character or not. Well, see, I don't, I don't really think George is like really sincerely pining for her. I think he's just enjoying this opportunity to make a spectacle of himself. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> I actually see it as kind of this natural progression of George's character because like if you remember in the very first episodes he was a super confident guy who seemed to know everything about women although he didn't really uh, but he seemed like and you know he had this great real estate job and stuff but like slowly over the last four seasons he's kind of like sunk lower and lower and lower and then I feel like this point where he you know he's he's not with Susan anymore He's actually willing to go to a therapist when just like a couple episodes ago, he had too much pride to go to a therapist. And now he's sunk. He's actually lost some of his pride and it's sunk so low that he'll actually go to a therapist when previously he wouldn't. So, you know, I, I actually I actually bought it. I thought it was sincere, although maybe maybe, I don't know. maybe it was just the sex. I don't know. I mean, he does think to the point where he goes to the therapist and when the session's over, he's like, my mother is paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this is really George starting to like plateau to his like his lowest. I mean, like it never. I think the absolute lowest ever was when he. I think it was the one where. What was the episode where he like goes against his instincts? The opposite. The opposite. Like that episode. I think that was. Is that this season? Season four? No, that's not for quite a while. Because I think that is the absolute lowest George ever gets, in my opinion, and it's like this like steady descent to that point. And I think this is just a natural progression. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's a good point. Um, now, let me ask you guys, because I think, I, I wish in some ways Chris Young could answer this question for us, because I, I, I would love to hear his answer. I mean, if you guys are at the end of the wash, <laughs> you would just do the wash, right? Like, you, there's no way you're just walking around with no underwear. Now, when he's saying no underwear, is he saying, like, sweatpants and a shirt, but just, like, commando? Or are you picturing, like... Like a button shirt, like a or like a he's turtleneck. Dr- he's or something. dressed from the waist up. <laughs> Are you I like sure? how you're putting him in a turtleneck. The most <laughs> awkward clothing to be wearing in this scenario. I feel like it makes more sense. You know, you throw on like an old old pair of sweatpants and like a sweatshirt, but no underwear. That would make more sense. Why would you just wear a top and no bottom? Well, but, chest, your no, chest he's gets definitely cold. no. He's wearing pants. I don't think he is. <laughs> just with no underwear. I don't think he's wearing pants in this scenario because he's he's lounging around the house, wallowing. I think he's wearing sweatpants. I think the ultimate slob doesn't put on sweatpants. I mean, if I didn't want to do a wash and I had no underwear, pajamas all the way. That's all you do. Easy. I think I'd do a wash. <laughs> I would do a wash. You know, like I I've, I definitely like run that line where you know I have maybe one last pair of underwear and I'm like, well, I really have to do my my laundry today. I have no option. Do you have like bad yeah. underwear that like you know it might have a hole in it or it's particularly ugly or something that it's the very scraping the bottom of the barrel? Am I the only one? I mean, I feel like that's all your underwear. <laughs> they're all in various they're all in various states of decay. So you're saying you do, Justin? That's right. <laughs> Why don't you just throw those underwear out? Well, because then there's nothing else left. <laughs> well, buy yourself a new pack of underwear. Go down to the Target. <laughs> it's like a, it's like ten dollars for you know eight pairs of underwear. 
I mean, Justin would wash them, but he's afraid they're going to sprout when he throws I, them in the water. I mean, for me, it's less about the underwear, more about the socks. Like, I have an, two overflowing drawers of socks, half of which have holes in them. Uh, I just can't throw them away, apparently. The other half doesn't have holes in them, you're telling me? Something, something, put your foot through those. hey <laughs> <laughs> Um. Well... I mean, to answer your question, I do have bad pairs, but what I consider the bad pairs, I don't think they're... My bad pairs is when I run out and I'm down to boxers. The ones that have, like, Millhouse on them or something. I mean, I definitely don't have Millhouse (laughs) boxers. That is, like, the lowest of the low. Cameron's more of a hands mole man guy. (laughs) Yeah, my my Bleeding Gums Murphy glow-in-the-darks... boxer shorts oh man uh but no if i if i run out of underwear and i'm at the point of boxers that's when i bottomed out i hmm. feel a sense of shame when i've hit why boxers. do you even have those boxers though well for when i run out of my other <laughs> underwear because <laughs> the, the problem is that for a while i decided i thought i liked boxers and then i realized i i didn't and so they're not they're not at a point of being far gone that i can comfortably throw them out but I also don't feel like I can donate underwear as like a secondhand clothing item. I mean, we've we've reached the peak of underwear evolution at this point. Boxer briefs—that's all you need. There's we're, nowhere to go. We're done. We've that's finished. true. The the brief and the boxer interbred and produced a hybrid that is better than than either. Well, I think we can call the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So also in the scene, there there's a couple other things. You know, Jerry says. Uh, as we talked about, the George should see this therapist, Dana Foley. Great doctor uh, name, by the way, Dana Foley. Mm-hmm. And Jerry got a Christmas card from Tia, the model he's seeing. Uh, and Elaine liked this idea so much that uh, she wants to get a picture for her Christmas card. Also, Elaine is going out with Fred, a religious guy. Is it just me, or is there's no indication that it's Christmas other than the Christmas card? Are there any decorations? Absolutely. Like, they're not even wearing, like, big winter coats. I actually forgot about it partway into the episode. <laughs> when George gets his zipper stuck and he pulls it over his head and he's wearing that bright red sweater, I said to myself out loud, it's like, that's weird that he's wearing that big Christmas sweater. <laughs> and then a second later, someone's like, something, something Christmas. Like, oh, right. That's that's why the card I forgot already. This is the least festive <laughs> Christmas episode of a show going. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, do you think models send out christmas cards with a very conservative photo of themselves on the front because i thought that was really odd what should they be dressed as shouldn't they be don't people normally wear like a christmas sweater or something i don't but it it looks like a picture of her like someone a candid photo of her just like leaning in a hallway should she be wearing like calvin klein lingerie or something why do you go straight to the lingerie I don't know. I but that's kind of what you—that's kind of what you're implying, Cameron. <laughs> I'm not like models don't just wear lingerie, guys. See, this is the thing I was talking about before about the rhombus dress and the birdcage head. It's not all Victoria's Secret day in day out. But I she wears the Calvin Klein though. But well, I just, so you're but you're I just saying she should model. be wearing you're saying she should wear, be wearing like something really like fashion forward and daring in her Christmas photo that she's sending to her aunt Mabel. <laughs> yeah, well, her aunt Mabel appreciates her daughter's thriving job. But I actually just, it was more that I thought that it was weird that she sent out a Christmas card with a picture of herself on it at all. I think as a model, you don't need to send a picture of yourself to people. Yeah, that part seemed a little weird to me. Like, I don't know why, like, if it's like a whole family 
no one member of that family can feel too egotistical by sending a photo of the family. But if it's just one person, it seems a little weird. And it's like your one friend who is a model is the person that sends you like the picture of themselves. That like, I don't know. It 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 seems almost like one of the writer's dreams to like know a beautiful model who would send them pictures of herself like every Christmas. Yeah. Well, and furthermore, what's weird is that Elaine thinks this is such a good idea that she wants to do it herself. It's a crafty idea. It's a nice craft she could do. Except I have something to say about that later. Okay. Um, there, there is also this issue that Elaine is dating Fred, the religious guy. Is that uh, his last says, name? <laughs> <laughs> he says Fred, the religious guy. Um, she says he's not that religious, but uh, yeah, he seems like a real uh, wet blanket. Well, it's funny we don't actually see Fred until the last like four minutes of the show. He's just kind of a presence. Yeah, we don't see him when uh, the fun-loving Fred, you know, you know, out on the town kind of Fred. We just see the the chastising Fred, the the tut tut Fred. Is there a fun-loving Fred? I thought he was mostly into volunteer work. Yeah, they go to the soup kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never see the the good Fred. I don't know. Maybe there is no good Fred. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> so I just anyway. love this idea of the nebulous good Fred. <laughs> What do you so anyway, think Fred's like, Justin? If you, in your in your mind's eye, describe to me your good Fred. What is he like? Um, you know, maybe he has like quirky hobbies that are kind of fun. Like maybe he's really into, you know, photography or or painting or something. Maybe I actually kind of think he's into miniatures. Miniatures? Yeah, yeah. I can see miniatures. Oh, miniatures! Yeah, definitely. Okay. N so scale you- model trains. Yeah. And so he's got a quirky hobby. What do you think, like, a typical date? You know, Fred and Elaine, what are they doing? Good Fred, that is. Maybe they go have, like, a picnic or something like that. Oh, so he's sweet. He's yeah. like apple pie. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. Very wholesome. And that's that's what draws uh, Elaine. Yeah, she thinks it'll be good for her. Now now we're fleshing out a story. <laughs> see, now we're getting somewhere. Now see, we've got an episode here. <laughs> see, the thing is, like, I, like I've been friends with people who are like who are religious but i wouldn't describe them as like a religious guy or a religious lady right but when that is the the one adjective i get like my idea of like a day with fred is like going to test out hand motions or something you know like something what? just kind of like bizarre that's a weird thing to say <laughs> why is why is he weird though what why is that his hobby why does he sound like buffalo bill like what is this <laughs> I don't know, like, if, like, that is your descriptor for him, I just imagine him having I just, bizarre... I just assume that Jerry had dinner with, uh, with them at one point, and he just led a prayer or something, and then henceforth he was the religious Fred. And then he gave everyone, like, hand lotions to try, right? <laughs> I mean... That skin looking good. It's been a long time going that we've been recording this, uh, this series, where... We're 52 episodes in, and Patrick Armstrong's bringing up some guy he likes trying on hand lotions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, tell us about the next scene, Patrick. Oh, well, one last thing is at the end of the scene, George is singing Charlie Rich's song, <laughs> The Most Beautiful Girl, uh, which I'm sure you've heard in the grocery store or something. Uh, and it's it's quite pathetic. Jerry asked him to leave. 
pretty great. Yeah. Um, I like how long they let it go on <laughs> and how, like, Jerry's reaction gets, like, progressively more irritated. I like how he sings it kind of like uh, in the in the vein of a Frank Sinatra cover. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So later, still in Jerry's apartment, uh, Jerry's about to go on his date with uh, Tia, the model. And they're they're chatting and flirting, and uh, um, we see that uh, Tia was the model in an ad for a, a perfume, the Beach, which was actually a perfume that Kramer pitched to Calvin Klein. Well, so the perfume that she is wearing is called the Ocean. Oh right, sorry. The Kramer the Kramer's version of the perfume is called the Beach, uh, and then Kramer comes by. And Jerry tries to keep him apart, but he notices the perfume because he uh, wants to see how tall she is. I gotta say, I hate Tia's outfit in this scene. It is so bad. Maybe it was good in the 90s, but she has, like, this tan blazer, this, like, weird jean shirt underneath it with, like, blue, like, whitewashed slacks. Well, like, sorry, should she be wearing sexy lingerie? <laughs> is that what you're expecting? She works at Calvin Klein? It would have, uh, it would have helped. Like, it's just so <laughs> bad. Like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, she has, like, this, like, kind of, like, fun model hair that, I don't know, maybe it was popular at the time, but, you know, I, I'm fine with it. But the rest of it, it just doesn't work. I, I'm sorry. It's bad. You know what's funny? I kind of liked her outfit. Oh. I actually I thought, thought she looked kind of sharp, too. Hated it. Maybe you just have bad taste. It might be. What is it? What is it you didn't like about her outfit? Uh, I just everything about it seemed ugly. You know, there nothing about it seemed good. Well, like, I'm going to include uh, a screenshot of her outfit in the uh, in the the show notes for people to look at. But I yeah, think it looks let, pretty good. You know, let it's a the pretty listeners cool. Decide for themselves. It's a pretty cool blazer. I think the. Um, the denim shirt is kind of fun. I don't know. I think it's good. I liked the denim shirt as well. Yeah. Well, I have another thing to say. now. <laughs> She's a monster. <laughs> uh, so I think there's this idea of... Kramer thinks that the Calvin Klein executive stole his idea for the perfect perfume that he called the beach, but they later christened the ocean. Now, do you think like an idea pitch for a perfume is worth anything at all to Calvin Klein? Because, like, isn't it all about, like... Like, I was reading the Wikipedia article about perfume, and it's a complicated process to balance everything and stuff. Like, is that idea worth anything at all? Is it just, like... Is it, like, kind of like a guy who pitches, like, a video game idea? Like, what if you cross Skyrim with Call of Duty? Wouldn't that be the most amazing idea ever? Like All of Skyrim, eh? Like, it's a pretty good idea. (laughs) You know, see, I don't know. Like, I tend to agree that that just the idea isn't isn't super worthwhile. But he did go and pitch this idea to Calvin Klein, and then they made the perfume. So two things. I I feel like that's that's not right. Number one, her outfit. It's nice. It's a cute outfit. She looks good. Uh, Number two. I think that if you go there and actually pitch your idea, that even though there's a lot of work, it's got to be worth something. And I and I, I had notes about this as well, right? Because it's very difficult because we often hear people be like, they ripped off my idea. It's like, right. five years ago, I thought of putting pineapple and ham on a pizza. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, but 
this person was totally independent from you. But if you actually go to Calvin Klein and you pitch this idea and then they put out a product that's just like it, then it's questionable. But if he had just been at home saying like, you know, it'd be a great idea, smelling like you just got out of the ocean, that would be no good. But because he had that meeting with the executive and that executive seemingly pitched the idea, that's stolen. It is a very yeah. specific idea, I suppose. Yeah, and it's not It's not like it's just like... Like, sometimes people say they, like, invented something. I'm doing air quotes you can't see because this is a podcast. I could, but... I could, it's theater of the mind. You gotta describe to us. But know, they're, like, they're like, I invented a, an oven that has unlimited pizza in it. You just open it up and there's a fresh pizza there. So That's not inventing like it. John McCain, like, scare quotes up there with your, your fingers? Is that the sort of, like... Isn't yeah. he big? He's big on doing like the, the air quotes, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, absolutely. I thought yeah. he couldn't raise his arms. Well, he doesn't do them like way up over his head. Oh, okay. He just, but he did it a lot, I thought, during the, uh, when he was running for president. Huh. Yeah. And so, so like you're just like, yeah, pizza or an oven that has unlimited pizzas. Like that that's not an idea. invention. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> right? But that's not an invention. You have to like figure out how that would actually work. Well, right? you know, he's, he's not here to defend himself, but. But, like, his idea, like, had all, like, there was no risk attached to the idea. It's, like, they put the money into, like, like testing it out and trying to make something. And, right. you know, maybe Wait, it's a, if, like... I feel like they could give him a royalty or something, you know, even if it's just, like, 1%. It's, it's worth something, because it's, like, if you went to a movie theater or you went to a movie studio and you pitched an idea and then they put out a movie that was, like, basically identical, even though you didn't hire the actors and you didn't end up writing the screenplay and you weren't the director and all that stuff, they still ripped off your idea that you went and gave to them. I guess, but I, I think Kramer sees it as, like, he's he deserves, like, 50% of, like, whatever. To me, it's, like, 10%, maybe, if that. Well, I mean, apparently he was happy to settle for a modeling job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so... Potential uh, future guest host on the show, uh, friend of the show, Tristan Young, Chris's brother, years and years ago had one of these where he claimed that he came up with the idea for the Gungan shield in Star Wars Episode <laughs> 1. It was just a force field. Uh, he claims that he invented this idea of the force field and was quite adamant. And he like he had some like scrawled like picture that he had drawn, I don't know, in English class in grade 10 or something. So when he's on the show at some point in the future, we'll ask him about it. But this is the sort of thing that makes me skeptical. This is the exact sort of scenario that makes me think maybe maybe Kramer's not onto something. But um, if Tristan I, had spoken um, to George Lucas about the greatest force field idea of all time, then maybe he'd on, he's onto something. Um, I'm going to point out the prior art in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Do you have a link for this art? Or is that just... No, but there's little shields in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Yeah, but there's shields in Ho- Sonic 1. Why'd you fix Sonic 3? There's no shields in Sonic 1. Yeah, of course there is. Well, maybe Sonic 2. Well, is there in Sonic 1? Well, there definitely is in Sonic 2. What kind of shields, though, are you talking about? It's got that little blue glowing orb that protects you. Oh. But, but the Gungan shield's a totally different but thing. But I thought we were talking about a very specific implementation of force fields. Like yeah, the Gungan. The, the Gungan shield was where they have the four different generators that shoot up a giant bubbled dome, which protects them from the droid army. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. I was... Right, I forgot about that. So you were just thinking all force fields. Yeah. It was like Apple versus Samsung, I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
so do you guys what do you guys think about the idea of a perfume model so tia is the perfume model for this and Are there I actually perfume ha- models? Is that a thing? Yes. So she's the model representing that scent. I guess that makes sense in the ads. They they gotta have a model. Yeah, but I actually started to think about it, and unlike clothing or basically any other sort of product, it's a pretty intangible sort of thing to just show you a picture of an attractive person and be like the ocean. Because you'd actually have no idea what that person smells like. Obviously, you look at this person, so it. Is perfume modeling just purely based upon, like, I want to be this person? Because that must be it. Because you don't... You can't think, I want to smell like this person. Do magazines ever have, like... Do they ever have the perfume in the magazine that you can smell it right then and there? Is that a thing? Yeah, they got this. Maybe that's it. There you go. But then what do you need the model for? You know. to So it makes it more, like, aspirational. Yeah. Like, if I smell like this, so. I'll have her lure. You got the whole fantasy. Yeah. All right, then. Perfectly perfectly valid. Figured that one out. I withdraw my uh, comment. Okay. So, so, as we said, Kramer is upset by this. Um, oh, first of all, I just want to say one thing about the Dustbuster. Now, we're coming up to 2015. And like everyone knows, Back to the Future 2 takes place in 2015 when he goes to the future. Mm-hmm. And there's that famous scene where it's like, oh, look at these great things from the 1980s. This is called the Dustbuster. And now that I think about it, kids these days don't know what a Dustbuster is. Of course they do. They don't know what a Dustbuster is. Why would they know that? No, <laughs> Because they... they still sell them. No, they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Who buys a Dustbuster? Justin Dyson sells a Dustbuster. Why would you have a Dustbuster? I own a Dustbuster. Why do you own a Dustbuster? You know I own it because you've asked to borrow it before. I know, but it's... Uh... <laughs> what if you want to go vacuum out your car? What if you just have a little spot that Don't you people need to go clean? to places with vacuums? Why would you use a Dustbuster? <laughs> uh, Justin just pulls out the Roomba and sets it to spot clean. That's all he needs. <laughs> hey, I have a $17 vacuum at my place. What are you talking about? Is the Dirt Devil uh, power stick still? It's not a Dirt Devil. I thought it was. No, it's like this wall- cheap Walmart vacuum. I don't know. I don't think people know what a, a, uh, a dustbuster is these days. People know what a dustbuster is. You're insane. Well, number one, I will bet you five dollars that your that your little vacuum cleaner is a dirt devil. What? I'm positive. I mean, I'll take that bet because that's wrong. All right, five Canadian dollars. You heard it here. All right. And now this is funny because Cameron only bets. When he's absolutely sure if he's right, I know, but I'm being a little fast and loose because like we've had a couple, we've had a couple <laughs> drinks during the recording of the show here. Now, because I know for a fact that he's wrong, there's no way it is a dirt oh. devil. I'm reneging. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, but the second part is is that people people like dustbusters. Dustbusters are here to they're, stay. They're the, uh, they're, but, the, they're like the least useful tool that you could possibly have. Are you kidding? A dustbuster. Why the do you least need a useful, It's less useful than a Flobie. What's a Flobie? The Flobie's the vacuum hair cutter thing, where it's like got a it's a vacuum that sucks your hair into a tube, but it's got a blade inside, so it gives you a haircut. Never. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Now, is Dustbuster a generic term or is it a brand name? It's a brand name. Hmm. So it's, it's like Kleenex, like a ha- a hand hand vac, a hand vac. So, Justin, you've never heard of a Flobie? No, never. Patrick, do you know about the Flobie? Yeah, absolutely. I can't believe you don't know about the Flobie. Kids don't know about the Flobie. 
That's probably true. I Unless mean, they're very unlucky kids. So here, so this this is a picture of the flow bee. So it's a little vacuum, and it sucks your hair into it, and then the blade on the inside trims it perfectly. Is there this much you, market you for like... Attach, I think you attach it to your vacuum. Huh. Really? Yeah. Flowbee's the precision home haircutting system. Professional style haircuts at a fraction of the cost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a professional quality haircut. What are you trying right. to say? <laughs> what? In what world? <laughs> In what world? It's, so, it's, it's a haircut perfect... to a single length is professional haircut. Look at this kid. He's just giving get a, a thumbs up. Just get a, <laughs> He's just, holding a mirror. I don't know why. Just because get it's a not bowl. like you're styling it. Actually, they're all holding mirrors while they're doing it. Why are they? They got to check. They got <laughs> <laughs> to check what the back looks like. <laughs> it's all the same length. I just think, I think a flow bee is going to be fine for you. I think, <laughs> I think once you get a flow bee going, you're gonna see that you need a dust How much buster. does the Flowbee cost? That how much money is it actually saving me? The Flowbee? Yeah. Well, you can get them factory direct from Flowbee.com. Mm. So seventy nine ninety five plus shipping and handling. Oh, that's, that's true. Now the mini vacuum is not included though at that price. But you can seventy nine ninety five. Yeah, but Justin, you'll never have to pay for a haircut for the rest of your life. You'll save thousands. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get a Floby system with the Super Mini Vac for one hundred and fourteen dollars and ninety cents, which is oddly specific. If this was like nineteen ninety five. It still would be overpriced. I mean, this web page is pretty great. I would like to look at the the source, the source code of this web page. It's uh, it's something. Because so William Molly's here. He got a Floby in nineteen ninety two, and he's been using that thing for twenty two years. Okay, he doesn't have the time to travel from a barber. He doesn't have a. He just does it. He just plugs it in, sucks his hair into a vacuum, and he's done. I guess there was one guy who did that. This other guy's been doing it for nineteen years. Who are these people? <laughs> They're Floby users. So, George is at the therapist. Oh, yeah, he wants to to figure things up about his breakup, figure the whole thing out. But he's frustrated by the zipper on his coat. Clearly irritating his therapist. She's a very nice therapist. I, you know, I'd go to her. She does seem nice. Also, I also thought she looked kind of like... Now, I didn't look it up beforehand. Because I normally I would, but I want to know. Does she look like the mom from <laughs> Home Improvement to you? No. No. Not at all. All right. Not even close. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> Did you watch Home Improvement? Are you aware of the show? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I did watch it on occasion. Well, she looks familiar. Maybe she's been in something we've seen before. Sure. But anyhow, please, please continue, this therapist. So, um, so yeah, well, that's, that's kind of all there is to say about it. It's a very short scene. Um, eventually, uh, I guess we can talk about this whole scene. The therapist gets involved trying to get the zipper unstuck. They just run out of time to spend the whole session on the zipper. And we learn that George's mom will be paying for the sessions. Uh, it is actually a very funny scene. You know, it uh, the universal frustration with one of the zippers. Mm-hmm. But I like that George's pure rage and frustration is contagious it's like the ebola virus we've all been there cameron we've all been there it's very frustrating like it's incredibly frustrating Mm -hmm. 
So, Gina Hecht, what has she been in? Doesn't seem like she's known for uh, home improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually think she was uh, Jill? Uh, I had a, I had a suspicion. <laughs> so, so, back at Jerry's apartment, Elaine comes by. She talks about how she and Fred have been doing volunteer work. Jerry kind of lightly mocks them. And uh, Jerry's excited because he has a Christmas card from Elaine. Except he thinks he sees a nipple. And, you know, Elaine's in denial, but they get Newman in there to take a look. He sees it right away. So went to Fred. Everyone. And then there's kind of like a really sweet shot right at the end where... Jerry and Kramer are trying to reinsure, reassure her, and they say, you know, everyone has nipples, and Jerry and Kramer both show her their nipples. Just in case she was uh, inclined not to believe them. Mm-hmm. Is this nipple scenario at all possible or probable? So, I have so many questions about this. <laughs> Number one, the thing I was sitting on is that Elaine has sent out all these cards, and Jerry's like, oh, it's so nice, he sent it out, and Elaine's like, oh, it was nothing, I had my assistant do them all. So what is Elaine's position at Pendant Publishing where her assistant is mailing out like a hundred personal Christmas cards for her? Number two, a nipple slip on a photo on a Christmas card would be bad, but to what degree is this nipple showing through? What sort of shirt is she wearing that this nipple is like a five-alarm nipple alarm? She was dressed very conservatively, like, well, not conservatively, but like, well... She, she was, was just fashion, she was fashionable but modest and like. However, though, she Kramer said, "Yeah, Kramer said he's gonna have to do something about her outfit. They have to improvise." So she wasn't wearing any undergarments whatsoever before, or she took them off for just for this photo. But she says later in the episode that she missed a button. Is this shirt buttoned up over like the center of the breast? But, well, maybe she's like kind of like at a, like a forty-five degree angle, maybe, and then. But did she take her bra off? That's well. That's the only explanation, unless she wasn't wearing one before, and that's possible, I suppose, because she was wearing relatively modest clothing, so there was no, perhaps, need because many layers as well. So maybe there wasn't any need for the undergarment. But I don't know. It doesn't seem in any way, any way possible. It's just, it's insane, honestly. I can't imagine I, I actually perfect can't even... storm to make this happen. But honestly, if she was, say, potentially not wearing a bra to begin with, which, sure. if you watch the scene, she's wearing a bra. <laughs> like, she's wearing a bra. It's fine. You can watch it for yourself and figure it out. But she's wearing a bra. So she takes it off. So even if she was and she took it off, I mean, how close is Kramer in this shot that this nipple is so highly visible that it's a big deal, and that it's not in shadow. Are there, is like, he, is three he casting on the shirt? <laughs> is he casting a light directly, like... Uh, you know it would be a great photo, Elaine, for your Christmas card. We'll light you up from inside your shirt. I mean, I just assume that the nipple was actually exposed, like there was no fabric over it, but are you saying that you can see through the fabric? Well, that's what I thought at first, until she says, I missed a button. So it's exposed. It's clearly oh, it must exposed. Be exposed. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, if it's exposed, it would be in shadow. Hmm. Like it. What is this mystery nipple? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe like the scene is really well lit. You know, like he says, he's got equipment, so maybe he's got like, you know, like a light directly shining on her. Maybe. Okay. Maybe she's sitting where her head is over her shoulder, kind of sitting ninety degrees to the camera, or maybe slightly more than ninety degrees, so that through like that button unbuttoned shirt, you can see a nipple. 
maybe that's the only scenario that could possibly happen. But it would be so minute <laughs> at that point, right? Because this is like... But that's why she missed it. But this is why most people would miss it. And even if they could see it, it's like it's barely there. This is like spotting a nipple at 100 <laughs> yards. Like, there's not, there's not, there's nothing to see here. If you're the police officer, you're saying move on. There's, there's nothing. Patrick, <laughs> you've been awfully silent about this. I, I can tell this has been bothering you. What's, I, uh... I just, I just don't know. I can't figure it out. I can't fathom it. <laughs> um, yeah, well... I guess we should move on then. We're not going to solve this one tonight. Wait, was Elaine's nipple on home improvement? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a quick there's a quick scene where Jerry's in his car and he's he's scratching his nose and he looks over and sees his model girlfriend Tia. She notices, but from her angle, it looks like he's straight up picking his nose. It's a pretty Looks awkward, disgusting. like, nose scratch that he does. Like, <laughs> yeah. he scratches his nose exactly as if he's picking it. Yeah. I, I have one note about the scene, and it is, how gross is nose picking, really? <laughs> well, I think we'll get to that, because right. uh, we next, like, we next, in the next scene, Jerry is talking this over with George. Park, park your question, Justin. <laughs> So, well, I want to talk about that, too. And, you know, George kind of uh, quizzes him, you know, asks whether there's any nostril penetration, you know, is it so bad? And it's funny that George is kind of disgusted by this whole situation. He even says he would break up with someone who picked their nose. But meanwhile, George is, like, eating with his mouth open (laughs) this whole scene, like, loudly. Very disgusting. It's like that scene where George, uh, I don't remember what the name of the episode is, but where, oh, it's from The Slicer, and Jerry is dating the dermatologist, and he wants Jerry to go on a revenge date with the dermatologist to, like, shame her, and he's eating this huge sandwich, he's getting, like, mustard on his face, and he's like, oh, you gotta, don't yell at her, you gotta take her out, you gotta do it classy style, and as he says this, he's using the bottom of his shirt to wipe the mustard (laughs) off of his face. Not to mention the many scenes where he eats peanut butter with two fingers dipped straight uh, into the jar. <laughs> I hate it. And this is also a man who doesn't wear underwear on, on days he has no underwear left. <laughs> so, nostril penetration, a disgusting phrase, uh, but let's hash it out then. So, let's answer the two obvious questions here. Number one, how gross is it? Number two, is it an undateable event? Patrick Armstrong? <laughs> well, I'm going to be brutally honest here. <laughs> On occasion, I have picked my nose. Okay. Usually, it's that kind of situation where you have one of those, like, sharp boogers in your nose that kind of hurts. Classic sharp booger. <laughs> and, you know, you try, you try, you like, sharpies. trying to, you try, you try trying to blow it out. It's not coming out. You try, like, you have the Kleenex and you, like... You can go up like like maybe an eighth of an inch or something into your nose. Oh, so the, the tricky get pick, it. the the technical yeah. pick. Yeah. So then you know you just you just have to take things into your own your own hands, <laughs> so, so, so to speak, and uh, you know, pull that out. You pull. Well, pick it out, whatever. <laughs> okay. So you've you've you got to deal with it somehow. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. You're a human being. 
who amongst us hasn't picked? I mean, if we're being brutally honest here, you know, I was a bit of a nose picker when I was a kid. Let's be honest. <laughs> it happened. I mean, you're a bit of a nose picker. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, you grow out of it for the most part. But sometimes, like Patrick said, I mean, let's be honest here. Sometimes you have to. Like, sometimes there's something there and it's, like, disturbing. Like, the like maybe you have, like, something there and it's, you know, it's a sharp one or it's, like, it's a little dry and it's, like, semi-dislodged and you can feel it but you can't get it out and it's, like, making you sneeze or it's making your eyes water. I mean, you're if you're at home alone, you're not just going to be like, well, I'll just suffer this until I sneeze it out or something, right? You'll 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 remove it. You put in a put it in a Kleenex and throw it away. That yeah, means, like a gentleman. That being said, your top hat. You walk into say your living room and your significant other is sitting on the couch with their wrist deep. <laughs> you, you cannot help but be from personally. I I could not help but be slightly grossed out. And yet, I do not think it is a it is a deal breaker in and of itself. Um, I don't know. I I think. I mean, I'll go. I'll even go one step. I'll even go one step further of like horrible admission. I mean, when when you do, I I, I almost enjoy it. <laughs> Cameron, that's disgusting. Too far, Cameron. No, you just cause it's a relief if you if you have that sharp one. Like Patrick said, if it's bothering you, it's nice to get rid of that. It wasn't like you were just sitting there enjoying it. And I'll put on the record right now that Justin was sitting here silently nodding yes. So whatever he might say. He just tacitly agreed to this right now. And so if you're if you're uncomfortable and you do it, of course it's nice because you've just you've made yourself feel better. It's just like if you have like if you're if you're itchy or something, you scratch it, you feel better, and then it's, the the event is over. Okay, but that being said, like I'm not but, saying I take like some sort of like pleasure. Like if there's nothing to do, I just like jam my finger like, in my nose. And I'm like oh, I'm loving this. Like hedonistic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sort of I'm not. I'm not. He- I'm not hedonbot. That being said, there are many things that you know we may enjoy. You know, living in our human bodies that uh, that may not come across as the most uh, attractive or desirable uh, things to do. That's true. Yeah, but, like maybe, like s- biting your nails or something. Yeah, I can see definitely at this early Sorry. stage. <laughs> I can definitely see at this early stage in a relationship it changing your perception of that person's attractiveness and it can just maybe can maybe turn you off, you know? It's it's a, it's an it's a private event. Realistically, if you have to do it, it's a private event and yeah. it's brief and then it's over. And that's actually what I think is great about this scene is because Jerry is in one of those things. He's in the car, which is what people often perceive to be a private event. They kind of forget that uh, it's not like the outside world can't just look through the windows and see what you're doing. You know, you always see people singing in the car or picking their nose. Like, it's so common to see people doing that sort of thing in the car. And so there's a good crossover there of that sort of, like, private moment gone public and it's a total faux pas, right? Like, people generally if they can do something that is perceived as socially uncouth will try to do it in in private i feel like jerry's success with the ladies through the seasons of seinfeld is due entirely to his ability to be funny because let's be honest jerry seinfeld he looks kind of goofy looking i mean if we're being perfectly honest and so you know maybe that is all it needs to to tip the balance not in his favor and uh there she goes all right so I think we've kind of landed on a, a bit of an agreement on 
the acceptability of nose picking is it is it a break upable offense and we'll we'll take this well you can put in any scenario you want you know long term short term i mean a habitual nose picker all the time every day yeah no i mean but you i call mean, them casual pickers you just you, you know you catch them in a private moment all is forgiven okay patrick armstrong i think if they can the i think the partner in a relationship can be pick their nose as often as they like but i would prefer if they didn't do it in front of me or you know if it's only occasionally in front of me well what if they did it in front of you with semi-regularity like you saw this event happen four times a week i mean i don't know that i would break up with them but it would be a it would be would not be a point in their favor in the calculus of that relationship is that what we're calling those now the classic relationship calculus (laughs) you know it's a little it's a little off-putting i mean it's not great cameron in the early days, if they were habitual, it's potentially a breakup offense because you you don't you haven't seen enough of this person's personality to like be head over heels for them yet. You know, you're not you're not in deep love, maybe, you know, you've gone out on like one or two dates. If you're on the second date and you've already seen them picking their nose multiple times <laughs> per date, I think that might be it. I think it might be over. But just yeah, once. What, just once. What other I mean, if they're just doing that, like I can't like if it was habitually, just, what it was other just kind of once, and I saw what them other depravity are they into? <laughs> you know, I mean, they're like a litmus test. They are definitely depraved. All right, well, riddles of uh, we riddles saw... of our time solved. It's true. So uh, wait, so she was she was not in the right by breaking up with him. No. All right. No, but, but like, it is definitely a point. You know, like against Jerry. It's a it's a strike. Yeah. All okay. Right. So um Elaine comes back, she's upset by this whole situation, her social life, her work life, her family life. It's all in a kerfuffle. Everyone at work is calling Elaine Nip. <laughs> I mean, does that not border on workplace harassment? Absolutely. It is, but it's a great uh, nickname. She did but she did send everyone a photo with her nipple. So I feel like the HR person would be... Uh... But I mean, her nipples are in every photo of her. They're just usually covered by cloth. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you you plead the case that it was an accidental thing. And in response, you are endlessly harassed. Uh, I think... Uh, Sounds I... like you've got a case of nipple in the first degree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so George is kind of a pill and like complains about not getting getting uh getting one of the christmas cards and we see elaine getting increasingly violent you know she just grabs his head and puts it against her chest now george has already seen the picture so say, does he just want it to be like a pervert does he just want it i to, think like, she just his wants friend? i think he just wants to play the victim card of not having gotten the gotten the card okay um and speaking of the victim card Jerry and Kramer. Jerry's upset because he hasn't been able to get a hold of his girlfriend, but she's been in town. And Kramer is upset. He wants to uh, get a meeting at Calvin Klein. So 
they're both going to go to Calvin Klein. <laughs> sort this all out. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. I kind of just assumed Calvin Klein was not a real person. I actually thought it was just a name they gave the company. I don't know why I thought that. I have no idea. So, did you learn something from this episode of Seinfeld? I looked it up on Wikipedia. Calvin Klein, founded by a guy named Calvin Klein. It's just like with Tim Hortons. I did not know there was a guy named Tim Horton. Uh, for you know, for for non-Canadian listeners, Tim Horton is a popular donut and coffee franchise, but like uh, in Canada, and I did not know there was a Tim Horton originally. Just like I did, did not, you not know. know that there was a guy named Duncan Donuts. Is there? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But but yeah, I did not. And you know the guy they chose for Calvin Klein? He actually kind of looks like Calvin Klein. Did you know yeah. that there's a real Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> um, yeah, so they're all calling her Nip, which seems like, it seems kind of crazy. Um, I like how they're all upset about, you know, their various problems. And Jerry's like, that's it, I'm calling the model agency. What sort of business is this where they would just give out the information about where a model's been and where she is right now to some random who calls up on the phone and doesn't even <laughs> identify themselves? Like, yeah. it, it seems a little strange, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so at the coffee shop, George is trying to convince Susan to take him back. Um, you know, she's saying that uh, people don't change... But George claims he has because he tried a soft-boiled egg, loves it. And then he has this bizarre analogy comparing their relationship to Louis Pasteur and his <laughs> wife. He was always dealing with the cows and the milk. She was always making cake. <laughs> and you know what? They made it work. They worked at it. There's a lot of cake lying around, but they made it work. It is such a weird analogy. <laughs> like, I don't even know how he ended up there. Like what? <laughs> I'm surprised George even knows who Louis Pasteur is. Yeah, it was it was so weird. And the thing about like his like wife like slapping down on what what was the pest? Uh, cockroaches. Cockroaches. The fact that his wife had boots on her hands, <laughs> killing cockroaches. But what is the thing here that uh, this scene that seems weird is that this scene kind of makes Susan out to be an idiot. Mm-hmm. That she's she's standing her ground pretty well against whatever it is that George is trying to say here, and then he tells her the Louis Pasteur story, <laughs> and all of a sudden she's like, "And they made it work." <laughs> like, why why is she suddenly falling for this? Well, I think that Susan's brain knows that he is a bad match for her, but you know what? I think she still loves him. Yeah, I think that's all it is. I think love is love a makes you dumb. Well, there's a there's the episode title if there ever was one. Just <laughs> blurted out. So at Calvin Klein, Kramer manages to barge himself into Calvin Klein's office, and uh, you know Tia seems uncomfortable and you know leaves. And outside, Jerry convinced Tia about the pick. Uh, you know, he claims there was no pick. Then back with uh, Kramer, Calvin Klein's kind of buttering him up. He's, you know, he says, Kramer's, you know, as Kramer's complaining, Calvin Klein's just kind of ogling him and, you know, saying it's very live, 
Very graceful. Lean, but lean muscular. muscular. He's spectacular. And, uh, you know, Kramer agrees. Well, he wouldn't be wrong, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna see if they can get him to model. Uh, he cut they out def- fruit They dust. definitely can. <laughs> he He's available. He has time in his schedule for modeling. I find Kramer being flattered by this, like, incredibly amusing. I love it. Uh, he does lose all of his anger momentum within seconds. Mm-hmm. He receives one compliment, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, I, I will sit down. Oh, great. Well, I try to work out. And all of a sudden, he's just, he's walking in there in his underwears. Mm-hmm. Good thing he had a clean pair. It's a little <laughs> Seinfeld joke. Um, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You're you're too young. Uh, can we take a little like one minute break so I can get a glass of water? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be right back. Oh, there's the there's the eyedropper. Did this actually do anything? It's a pretty funny picture. I just gotta come up with a good caption. I wait until you see this uh, real slap shot job I'm gonna do. Uh, gotta do it in the vein of Chris Young, where you just kind of do a bad, bad job. What's uh what's Pixelmator? It's um just kinda like a Photoshop like program except it's really cheap compared to it's like twenty dollars. Nice. And you can basically do everything you can with uh, Photoshop. I I'd I'd recommend it if you it's, you know, it's better than GIMP? I think it's a lot better than GIMP. I okay. mean I'm ready. Patrick, uh Pixelmator. Better better than GIMP, wouldn't you say? Um, I've never used Pixelmator. Hmm. Use Acorn, their competitor. Use Acorn, eh? Yeah, but GIMP is terrible. So is it bad? Because that's what I use. But you know, I've kind of just gotten used to it. But you should use Acorn. Yeah, and you should use Pixelmator. How much is Pixelmator? I think it's fifteen dollars. Hmm. How much is Acorn? Uh, right now, it's actually on sale for fifteen dollars. Oh, hmm. Bye, but you know what? I think there's free trials of of both of them, so you could try them both. Pixelmator definitely looks cooler. Oh, Pixelmator is thirty dollars. Oh, thirty dollars. Well, maybe I got it on sale. Well, you can get Acorn for fifteen dollars if you're into bad products. <laughs> okay, you guys want to continue? Yes. Okay. So. So then we have Elaine at her office. Fred is very offended by the situation. Um, you know, he's complaining about this. Do you guys think you would be offended? Do you not think you would just think it was kind of funny? Well, he is very religious. Are religious people against nipples? Well, that's the whole setup of this episode for this guy being religious, is so that he can be prudish to this event that's happening. Yeah, maybe he's not religious, maybe he's just a prude. It does seem to me using religion as, you know, the butt of the joke a little bit. 
But yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, yeah. I kind of feel for him. His whole world, you know, just kind of turned upside mm-hmm. down. Do you think he's just mad that everyone else can see her nipple now? <laughs> Has he seen her nipple? Do you think? I don't think he's seen her nipple. No, think so you so. think? Oh, so he doesn't like the way that this has all been exposed to him. It's all becoming too real, like too quick. Oh, maybe. He had to get used to the idea of her having nipples. Yeah. Gradually. <laughs> um, and then there's a guy who pops in. And <laughs> he He's like, hey, Nip, blah, 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 blah. Did Larry David do ADR over this guy's voice? He does sound... I had the same thought. Really? I, it sounds a lot like Larry David. Are you sure? I don't think so. I'm not. That's why I'm asking. But it sounds a lot like Larry David to me. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I, I I think he sounds a lot like Larry David as well. Um, okay. Let's go down as one of those great mysteries. So the next scene we see George. He's walking up those stairs. He talked about earlier. He felt like when he was walking up those stairs, he was like going to his prison cell. Uh, but you know he's convinced he's going to take him back he's walking up the stairs though you can tell he thinks the same thing Um, back at Calvin Klein Kramer comes out in some underwear his buttocks are sublime and they're going to get him in the studio today maybe this is overreaching or maybe this is maybe this is off the mark but I feel like this image of Kramer walking in his underwear as one of the most iconic scenes of Seinfeld. I don't know why, but I find it one of the most memorable. Pretty great. Now, my thing that I always remember about this scene, and I don't know if you guys have noticed it, and maybe Patrick, if you've got the episode running there, when Kramer leans up against the wall at the end of the scene and falls down, his body is covered in so much studio makeup that as he falls, there's like foundation or whatever just like smears across the wall as he falls down and there's this like brownish residue on the wall yeah i absolutely saw that i wondered if he had so much makeup on because he was appearing like like almost nude uh perhaps it's not it's funny because he often wears a lot of makeup for various reasons on the show so in the butter shave episode when jerry is like sick of everybody else shaving with butter he takes two pieces of bread and like dabs kramer's face with it and they're buttered pieces of bread already i think but maybe not and as he like pulls it away you can see like the face makeup on the bread and then he takes a big bite out of it Hmm. which i find pretty disgusting would his body have looked too shiny if he didn't have makeup on is that the deal well yeah Yeah, or maybe heads or had like discolorations like you know like a pimple or something it's a flawless specimen (laughs) but i mean Um, i think it would be acceptable for kramer to have a skin imperfection like a pimple yeah maybe it's just the shininess then it could be comfortable that's all i that's all i know for sure about that um so I think an interesting thing that happens in the next couple of scenes here. So first we have Jerry in the hallway. Um, he's outraged at Tia being grossed out and breaking up with him and not wanting to see him. 
you know, he's very dramatic and outraged and talks about, you know, like how, you know, if we pick, do we not bleed and how he's not an animal? So Jerry's clearly very outraged here. And then we have at Pendant Publishing, you know, Elaine is very upset by Fred, you know, with the nipple. And, you know, she says, it's not me who's exposed, but you, or I've seen the nipple on your soul. (laughs) And uh, it's funny because everyone in this episode, I think, is almost like, indulgently enjoying their ability to be like have this minor oppression on them and like be outraged at it like they're really they're really like indulging in their their protest here especially elaine and jerry here but i mean i guess they're all the reason why they do it is because aside from george they feel like they're all in a position where people are taking a moral high ground against them, but they feel like much like the pick that everybody, that everybody is at this level. And so their only defense is to actually take an even higher moral high ground and attempt to expose the, the hypocrisy that is going on around them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just love it. I love them being so like outraged and trying to like, like be like that like movie type image of being just and exposing corruption i love it it's pretty good and you know neither one of them seems particularly ashamed you know they're they're just making their impassioned speech it's like braveheart they're mel gibson at the top of the hill um okay so the last scene here Actually, that silent nod, Justin. <laughs> uh, the last scene here. <laughs> We're at the coffee shop. George is talking about how he really wanted out from this relationship when he got to Susan's apartment. So he uses the pick. He's he's uh, wrist deep in his nose. He gets out. Um, and then we see Kramer in his ad. He shows his ad. And it appears that his donger is out. Would you rather your penis out in a Calvin Klein ad or on a Christmas card to all your relatives? Which Calvin is, Klein ad. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's not even remotely comparable. Like, it's it's barely embarrassing at all in the Calvin Klein. Maybe that's just me. Are you with me, Cameron? I mean, it's bad on all of them. It's It's kind of bad. I mean, it's... If it's the family one, it's more embarrassing because that's gone around to, like, everyone you know, like, personally. Uh, but the circulation is much smaller than, say, a Calvin Klein ad. So when people see you on the street when you live in, say, New York City, in a very, what is most likely going to be a very well-seen ad, and someone's going to notice, and they'll be like, hey, look, it's Dink Guy. I know, but it'll be like the tip of his penis or something. It's not like the whole thing will be out. Like, Yeah, but look at what happened yeah, to Elaine. Edgy. But Elaine only sent it to a few people of a nipple, and they're calling her nip at the office. What do you think they're going to be calling Kramer around New York City? Penis? That handsome guy in the CK hat. <laughs> With his dong out. Well, I think there's some subtle gender politics at work here where there's a, a double standard of exposure. Is it? Mm-hmm. 
I, I think there is. I don't think it's. I don't think Every, there's... everyone when they're like, I think I see, uh, and then everyone's like, oh, I guess it's but... not like everyone's like, yeah, expose your manhood, you tough guy. <laughs> I suppose not. Okay, so to wrap it up, <laughs> we got this. We got this closing monologue. Jerry talks about how the body is a real pain to take care of. Women, especially, you know, they got to take care of all that hair. Women can pour hot wax on themselves, which is amazing, but they're still afraid of spiders. Am I right, guys? <laughs> Women, I mean, huh? Those two things are comparable. I've actually thought about this last monologue quite a lot since I watched the episode, because... You know, you've often maligned the women are like this, men are like this bits that Jerry Seinfeld seems to like. But this bit is just straight up super duper sexist. Like, there's nothing, there's no like, oh, men are like this, women are like this. It's just, women, you're so brave for doing things that society just expects you to do because you're a woman. And yet you won't do these things, or that, but... But you're afraid of these things that society kind of expects you to do because that's the feminine role. Like it's like he he's making this comment about women. Why do you act like this way when it's just uh, I don't know. It's to me I I, I don't know. I, I find it pretty pretty terrible bit uh, in just so many ways. I don't know. Am I am I off base here? Is this like isn't this a terrible bit? Like this is like almost reprehensible. I think it's as bad as any of his other men are like this, women are like this. But the, I guess what the one that makes this kind of worse in some ways is that it's not men are like this, women are like this. It's women are like this, and isn't that silly? <laughs> uh, it's not like he's trying to point out some sort of like hilarious, uh, I don't know, juxtaposition of men and women. He's pointing out like, Look at how women do this thing that's not so great, but they have to do because it's a social contract, and they're afraid of spiders. <laughs> I mean, it's decidedly, uh, it's decidedly, it, it, it's more imbalanced, I guess, than his other humor. And, like, a lot of Jerry Seinfeld's humor is, like, a lot of Jerry Seinfeld's humor is not about uh, self-deprecation or... Or anything like that. It's a lot of the times. It's isn't that funny? Those things other people do, or the things that society does. And sometimes it's great because you kind of, oh, I also observe that sometimes. And maybe that's kind of a silly way of looking at it. But sometimes I think about that too. But another circumstances like this, it's just kind of laughing at women and look how dumb they are. Or like you know, I've even like seen like kind of like stand up. It was like an early stand up I think I watched where Jerry Seinfeld was talked about like cab drivers who had complicated names with a lot of consonants in them or something and like it's kind of kind of racist to be honest i mean i know it was like late 70s or like early 80s or something but i think racism was cool justin it's just like i think sometimes jerry seinfeld's humor you know we talk about how it's a very like clean kind of humor but sometimes it is very look how ridiculous or silly other people are instead of kind of internalizing that those observations, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's off the mark. Get that mute button off, Patrick. What do you think? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not on. I just, I, I, I think Justin is like right on here. It's just kind of, <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's not a good monologue. 
Not a good bit. Well, with that, (laughs) with that, uh, as as always, I would recommend that you know. Wait, wait, wait! We got to talk about overall impressions of the episode. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry, uh, my bad. Cameron, overall, what did you think of this episode? I would say this episode is a solid seven. It's (laughs) it's pretty good. It's not particularly bad, yet it's it's a somewhat unmemorable episode. You know, uh, despite Justin thinking that Kramer in his underwear is perhaps one of the most iconic scenes of Seinfeld, I think that there's not really any particularly iconic scenes or, or lines from this episode. It's not particularly quotable. It's a, it's a funny episode. The little uh, Im- improv bit where Elaine shoves uh, George's head into her chest when she's uh, rebuking his request for a Christmas card is pretty funny, but I just don't. It's not a particularly special episode, I guess, and you know they're not all going to be. So, you know, it's it's good. It's a good episode, but not not hitting out of the park. Hmm. I thought it was pretty funny. I I I don't know. I think oh, maybe overall I'd agree it's a seven, but I think those couple scenes at the end where Jerry and Elaine are both so outraged and self-righteous like bumps it up another whole point for me uh like Elaine talking about the nipple on his soul I think is such a funny line that uh uh, I don't know it's pretty memorable to me how about you Justin uh I think this episode the fact that it succeeds so well is a testament to just the the writing of the of the show up to this point. Because let's be honest, none of the actual like high concepts of the episode, like the pick or the stealing of the of the perfume idea or anything like that, or the religious guy or the nipple, none of them are are any better than like some of the early ideas and like the you know like the bus boy or anything like that. None of those ideas, none of these ideas are any really better than back then but the fact that the episode is is pretty funny despite that i think just shows that how much the show has like evolved and is actually even with ideas that aren't that great they can actually make a show that's actually really funny so yeah i guess for like seinfeld episodes it is a seven but you know what it's still pretty funny and uh i liked it a lot all right all right I got I got uh, I got caught up in the moment of uh, an inspired image for the show there, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll stick with the one I've got going for now. But Justin Justin saw where I was going with this one, like that that would have been good, right? It's, it's a little risque. You think it's a little risque? It's a little much. The Flobies Flobies enough. All right. Sometimes we like to push the boundaries, you know, of what's. Well, let me let me pitch it to you, Patrick. Okay, so the 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 official image for the show we'll say is locked in. But I was thinking of a Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction mashed up with Elaine. Um, I think the Floby's better. Oh, jeez. You know, you guys are so conservative. <laughs> you guys are like Fred the religious guy. Let us pray. <laughs> uh, so as always, I would encourage you to head over to whatsthedealshow.com where you can see the masterpiece that is the Floby image for this week. And you can also see this week's Other Business. 
And do you, do you have one? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. I had one prepared too. Oh, well, do you want to do yours? What do you What do you got? Uh, so mine is a Japanese game show where you have to find things in a room that are actually made of chocolate. <laughs> well, you know, I I had the new story. And there's about... like a bunch of animated gifs. All right, you know what? Well, let's go with yours. Uh, I had a new story about uh, a, a town in Scotland which raised. $8,000 to build a bronze statue of a stray cat that people in the town all like. Oh, I mean, that one's good, too. His name is Hamish McHamish. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's just a... He's just a, a stray cat who wanders around the town, and for some reason, everyone loves him. He's got a Facebook page, he's got a Twitter account, and the, uh... The town raised eight thousand dollars to build a bronze statue of the cat, and there's just a picture of the cat sitting next to his own bronze statue. But you know what? I've already. You know what? I, I want to hear about the room made out of chocolate, or the objects made out of chocolate. So let's let's take a look. Oh, and it's coming from Kotaku. All right. Well, Patrick, why don't you set the scene for us? Okay. So I feel like the the idea of Japanese game shows that are wacky or bizarre or pretty well-known, well-trod territory. But this one is so strange and so amusing that I, I don't know. I just love it. And there's so many animated GIFs you can enjoy. So if you go to the show notes, I really encourage you to do that. The idea is it's a TV show where you have to tell what is chocolate or candy and what is not. And so, I mean, that seems obvious, but what they do is they disguise objects in a room, like, for example, door handles or shoes or whatever, and some of them are candy replicas of those things, and some of them are the actual things. So, for example, if you go to the show notes, you'll see a guy biting on a door handle. <laughs> Turns out it's made of chocolate. <laughs> it's called... Sokuri sweets, which I guess means look like. Now, you guys are looking at some of these pictures, huh? Uh, I mean, it's just why we're not we're not talking because when you see an image of a man bending forward and eating a coat hanger, and it turns mm -hmm. out it's actually a coat hanger. And what I like is when you get it wrong, it's not like you just have the shame of attempting to <laughs> chew on a coat hanger. They like blast your face with something. Yeah, like a powdery dust. It's pretty great. There's a lot of funny pictures of, or gifs of people eating random things. Oh, the door yeah. handle was made of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> well, he looks pretty excited there. Well, <laughs> people have to definitely check this out. Maybe not on your uh, mobile device, but... Uh... Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, Sokuri Sweets... Patrick, let me ask you a question about this. If you were on this game show, what do you honestly handicap yourself at at, at being able to identify what's made of chocolate and what is not? Uh, give me a scale, 1 to 10. 10 being everything I bite is chocolate. 1 being, I, I guess, you're going to ingest shards of glass. I, I don't know. I really have no idea. Like Honestly, these replicas are pretty good. They look really good. Like, 
you see this guy like biting this door handle. It just looks like a door handle. And then you see a guy like biting a picture frame. It could easily be chocolate. It is not. You know, it's 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 really hard to judge. I like the one in the with the picture frame. It's great. <laughs> the face he makes as he's kind of like, is it? Is it chocolate? <laughs> he's so hopeful. I really like the guy who takes the bite on the shoe. Yeah. The shoe is the shoe chocolate? Oh, because as it just kind of like they slide the shoe out of oh. his mouth, he looks pretty sad. Yeah, I feel like I'm not doing very well here. I feel like I would constantly be embarrassing myself. And I mean, why would this woman attempt to go for eating the table? I mean, I get it. She was right. It was candy. But if you're wrong, I don't want to be chewing on glass. Yeah, it would be painful. Uh, I don't know. What Do you think you would have a strategy here? Is well, there a strategy I, you can have in this game? I mean, you got to smell them. You got to smell them. See, I, I feel like you just have to point out the the item you want to try, and then you have to try it. So, wait, you try and identify it from a distance? I think you just have to look in the room and pick something. I don't think you can sniff it. Oh, really? Because this, in the very first image, the guy leans forward to the door handle and smells the door handle before he bites it. Oh, uh, maybe you can, then. I don't know. Justin, what is your strategy in this game? Uh, there's no strategy. I think the whole point is to to make people look goofy. Uh, but it's pretty funny. It does, it does kind of seem designed for, like, Western audiences to look at these GIFs to to like look how goofy japanese people are but don't you think that japanese people would think it's just as goofy and hilarious i i do well this is totally normal to them but uh it's it's funny no there's there's no strategy i kind of hope this catches on like you hope there's like a u.s version i i hope that it extends beyond tv i hope people start having like sukori sweet house parties and you invite people over, and they're all sitting down, and you're like, all right, well, what in the room's made out of chocolate? And then they realize they've been sitting on a chocolate couch or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. This is a pretty uh, expensive uh, house party to have. And, I mean, if they sit on your chocolate couch, I mean, it, it might melt. But, well, let me put it to you this way. What if you just had a few things? What if you had, like, ten of these items? You could buy them in a box. It costs, like... Twenty dollars, and you know, half the oh, items are made out of, of candy, and the other half are not. And you can have like a little game with your friends, and everyone takes on like ah. That's that's what about like a store where like half the items in the inventory are like sweets, and half are like <laughs> the actual thing, and you you just don't know, and so like. Like, like it'll even be like the same thing. Like it'll be like uh, like a hardware store, and you'll go like to buy a rake, and then like maybe you accidentally buy the one that's candy. So you buy the you buy the candy rake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how disappointed can you be? You have a candy rake. <laughs> I don't know. Did you? I mean, maybe stick, the guy did that you buys stick it the, into a pile of decomposing leaves and then realize the it's candy. <laughs> well, maybe the guy that buys like the like. Four hundred dollar candy PS4 is going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> Nobody plays Candy Crush. Hey oh. 
<laughs> but you have four objects that you like have for your home. That's actually. Pretty... I thought I thought you were gonna say that you know he'll be candy crushed. What? <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, Patrick. Justin doesn't. Do you not get the joke? Not really. Oh, because he guess wanted so. to buy a PS4, so he's crushed. He's candy crushed because it's. it's made I thought my lame joke was better, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Really, know what to say about this? <laughs> Those wacky Japanese. It, it's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know how you'd come up with this idea. I I would love to see like the pitch meeting, where it's like, all right, we need an idea. We were having the ever popular J-pop boy band Tokyo on, and that I didn't just pick that name. They they're the guests on on the show right now. They're called Tokyo. Tokyo, right there. Hmm. Uh. And you're like, so what's your idea? Here's my idea. We recreate a small apartment, but 10 of the items in that apartment are actually made out of candy or chocolate. Then from a distance of about 10 feet, we ask the band members to pick out what they think is candy. And then they go up, give it a sniff, and then they bite it. And like, okay, that's good. That's good. What else you got? What if we put a leather shoe in front of the guy and made him take a bite out of it to see if it's candy or not? <laughs> uh, the idea is just so crazy. And you see them unveiling this apartment. Like, this isn't a small apartment. There's a lot of things in there. There's a, there's a little seat. There's a table. There's a TV. There's the door. They've got a window. There's a, a rack that appears to have helmets on it. I don't know who's living here, but there's a helmet rack. There's a garbage can, there's carpet, they've got flowers, and they're trying to eat it all. Like, everything they're eating is from this room. So this guy at a distance picked a pair of leather shoes, and then on live TV, he had to gnaw on a shoe. I mean, I know I'm just saying what's happening, but, you know, I'm seeing it for the first time. Also odd to me is that in the first image where the guy is taking the sort of, like, paper the screen down that's hiding the room uh, do you guys notice that his his face is covered hmm. why is his face covered see like in a like a witness relocation program i don't know um well, <laughs> apparently though like there are like 200 tv channels in japan so it might just be that you know they gotta fill time you know <laughs> They're just taking any idea. But, I mean, there's a lot of TV channels here, right? Like, in North America, it's not like we're running short of TV channels. I'd say we have probably more than 200 TV channels. Hmm. Like, well in excess. And, I mean, I mean, we're filling time. There's definitely time being filled on those. Like, But, you know, I, you know there are game shows in North America, but maybe... Do you think reality shows are popular in Japan? But or... this isn't a game show. Like, this is, is one of these... Uh... Are they trying to win money? It's almost like the Japanese version of, like, a British panel show. Yeah, Where Part yeah. of it is that they're celebrities just trying to be funny. Oh, I see. Like, they're, they're not really trying to win. There. And they have kind of, like, you know, the, the, the idols and stuff like that on there. It's very, uh... Hmm. It's very popular. And then, of course, you try to force-feed them a shoe. <laughs> I can't stop looking at this guy attempting to eat the shoe. He looks so unhappy throughout the whole process. It makes me feel kind of sad about this show. Like, as he's taking the bite of the shoe, and then the moment he has to kind of spit the shoe out, it's almost like I can see his soul sliding out with the shoe out of his mouth. Like, he's realized 
he's completely debased himself to have this career. Like, he's kind of thinking, I could have gone into the family business. I could have been managing our window washing company. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm wearing a bow tie, sucking on a leather shoe on TV. <laughs> if that's not rock bottom, I don't know what is. <laughs> Would you guys go on this show? Absolutely. I was going to say, is there even a question? Of course I'm going on. I want to get that candy. So you're just saying everyone's talking the free meal. I have an unrealistic uh, idea that I'd be very good at spawning the candy. So you think you're good at this show? <laughs> I bet I'd be good. Wait, no, so how are you good at it? You just think you have an eye? You can tell the objects apart? I, I, I have an unrealistic idea that I would be good at it. <laughs> Hmm. I mean, I'd be buying, I'd be eating the shoe and probably looking sad, but I mean, just look at the comments <laughs> on this, okay? So here's here's the the main comment. The, they've got the picture of the guy eating the shoe, and I'm glad other people are focusing on this image in particular. And he says, "I don't know a lot about Japan culture, but how he looks is considered as cool?" Question mark. And then <laughs> the guy who posted the article, Brian Ashcraft, says, "No." <laughs> to which the response is just says a laughing stock ha huh. <laughs> and yet i would gladly be on this show so i don't know what that says about me but there's something just so soul crushing about this but if you succeed that candy will taste so good but will it like look at this lady trying to chew a calendar part because she thought maybe it was made of candy pulling at it <laughs> like a dog like a dog trying to like pull a bone out of his owner's hand and then what is her reward for that she gets blasted in the face by this, like, big gust of air and stuff. Like, these these people have lost it. There's nothing left for them. I mean, and as I keep saying, I would be on this show. <laughs> Do you think you'd be good at it, Cameron? No, I'd be terrible. These all look very convincing. Like, there's no way I would have picked out this door handle from a mile away. Is that the only one that... Oh, I guess the table is... Yeah, and, like, there's two sets of shoes. One is... One, like... Yeah, one, one was candy. One was candy and one was not. And the plant is made out of candy? I thought it wasn't made of candy. No, it is. It says, this might look like a plant, but it's... Sukori Sweets. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Rock bottom. Absolute rock bottom. All right, so let's uh, move to wrapping up the game show. Patrick Armstrong, scale of 1 to 10, Sukori Sweets. Good idea or bad? 10. Best Justin, idea. Justin? I shall give it a 9. I'm going to give it uh, a soft soft 8. Uh, all right. Well, if you, uh, if you enjoy Sukori Sweets then you'll definitely like What's the Deal show. And I would encourage you to tune in again next week when we watch, and I, I, I smartly pulled it up this week, uh, the movie, uh, a great episode, where all four main characters continually attempt to meet up to watch a movie together, yet they just can't seem to make it happen, and they all end up watching Rochelle Rochelle. Jerry also misses two stand-up performances trying to meet up for the movie. Kramer wants a Papaya King hot dog. (laughs) Little factoids from the next week's episode. Uh, I'm excited. I really like next week's episode, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
Yeah, well, I think that I think we did a good job. I mean, I say that every week, but this week I really mean it. We're talented broadcasters. Yeah, we're not bad. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, why not go to whatsthedealshow.com and listen to another episode? Listen to two or three. Come on, you can afford the bandwidth. You know you can. They're <laughs> so free. I haven't listened to any of the back episodes in quite a while. Well, They're good. Episode six. That's a good one. Right, apparently. Episode six. By far our most popular episode. What, what's episode six? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Is that the one with Chris's story about the, the old man in the milk? I always feel like that's... I don't know that's possible. The old man in the milk. I don't even think I know this story. Like the is, this, is this a dream that you had? No, the, the oh, old man in the laundry room. Who always oh, the naked, naked Matlock. Yeah, naked Matlock. Yeah, he would just... Is he it? would he would just suck back the milk down there. That was that was a really weird thing. I can't believe you remember naked that. Matlock? Maybe it is. Episode 6 tip is of the called tongue. The Tip of the Tongue. Naked Matlock being the big popular episode 10. Ah. In that ep- we have George swallowing a fly in that episode, which is pretty good. Do you know which is your least popular episode of all time? Probably episode one. Oh, I guess so. I, that makes sense. I could, I could say that with certainty without looking at our logs at all. Episode one has got to be at least it. No, it's usually... No, I don't think so. You think there's an episode less popular than episode one? That's a the, bad episode. The I think, but I think a lot of people like to start from the beginning, you know? Oh, that is true. So our least popular episode will be where people kind of just stopped listening. So maybe episode seven then? <laughs> maybe. Six is just enough. I don't know. It's going to be episode like 22 or something like that. Just some random episode. Hey, Patrick, if people have some feedback on the show, if they want to get in touch with us, maybe they want to help us with our pronunciation of city names, acceptable practices, and otherwise, how can they do this? Well, a great thing you can do is you can follow us on Twitter. We tweet at WTD Show. Um, you can give us feedback. You can complain about the show. You can ask for podcast recommendations. You know, we post all the episodes there, so you'll never miss an episode because uh, we have been less than than regular lately uh we also are on facebook at facebook.com slash what's the deal show uh you can do the same thing there you can follow and we post all the episodes there post images people ask about the episodes whole thing it's great and justin if people wanted to help out the show just go that one extra step you know like like friend of the show julius dean if he wants to elevate to the next level what is what what's he got to do well, on iTunes, it really helps if you uh, if you uh, you rate them, right? You rate them as stars. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Yes. So I was it, just gonna let him figure it out. So <laughs> so, so you rate podcasts uh, out of five stars, and it, apparently, it really does help the rankings. You you know, maybe you'll go from number uh, six hundred and six hundred thousand to six hundred well five hundred ninety nine thousand, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, it does, regardless, it does help. <laughs> I'd suggest rating uh, out of five stars. You know, maybe leave a... Okay, well, they will rate it out of five stars, because they have to rate it out of five stars. But, but, but you want to choose five, though, if you, if you want. Yes, that would be good. I'm actually... So I've gone to our rating section. It looks like our reviews have been wiped out. So we are currently down to zero really? stars. I've actually never reviewed the show or rated it. Uh, we we had seven or eight five really? star ratings. Wow, what we happened? we had written reviews. What is happening here? Whoa! Well, forget it. We're pulling the plug. Welcome to the last episode of What's the Deal Show. 
Yeah, thanks for nothing, jerks. <laughs> we did this all for ratings. Let me ask you one quick question here at the end of the episode. Do you think people know that, you know how the episode here, you know, we're just kind of chatting. The episode kind of, it's, it's petering off. Do you think people keep listening? Do, do people know that there's actually stuff that happens after the outro music stops playing? Or do you think most people are just done listening at this point? I think they're tired of it. <laughs> I Wait. see 10, 10 star. I see 10 ratings here. 10 ratings? I've got zero. 10 ratings, yeah, and some reviews. Well, uh, what's the deal with my iTunes? Oh yeah, ten ratings. We got ten ratings. People, oh, just forget it. All five stars. Oh, there's a four star. Who rated four stars? I miss. I miss the finer points and insist on two audio reviews. I don't know what that means. The laugh is deeper than a casual listen. Huh. I. I suspect I know who left that review. <laughs> is that my mom? <laughs> 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 All right. Well, as always, uh, a hearty thank you from Patrick Armstrong. Good night. Your friendly guest host, Justin Armstrong. See you later. And myself, Cameron Wong. Thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week. <laughs> did your mom leave us a four-star Yeah, she did. The only four-star <laughs> We had a perfect five star rating and your <laughs> and your mother turned against us. She's honest. Four stars is alright. Four stars is alright for those other guys. But I mean your mom, you want a ten. Yeah, I mean like mom's on a five star scale, a mom should be giving you at least a six. Mm-hmm. What do we gotta do? <laughs> it is it was very cryptic though the <laughs> Like what are, what what can what do you think we can do? What do you think we can say? <laughs>